What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, AJ Johnson. Below him, we have my best friend in the whole entire world, Aaron, the Mukesiah Mukes. And below me, we have the new reigning, defending, undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show, Dylan Kearns. It is a beautiful July 7th morning here in the city. Episode 51 is about to kick off. We are talking the NFC South and their fantasy outlook today. Gentlemen, normally we get breaking news and it throws off our entire show. This time, we got breaking news yesterday that didn't throw off our entire show. I'm leading off with our top headlines this morning. Breaking news, not not so breaking news this morning, but breaking news We can finally talk about Baker Mayfield and not some rumor mill, not some reports, not some nonsense. The Carolina Panthers have officially acquired Baker Mayfield from the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a 2025 fifth round pick. The Browns will pay Baker Mayfield $10.5 million this season. The deal has finally been done, gentlemen. Aaron, your thoughts. Thank God we can finally actually talk about it and not have to be like, well, let's just wait and see. Um, I think this was inevitable. I think this was the move that we kind of all knew would eventually happen to the team that we all thought it would actually happen with. Um, And I know Dylan had mentioned something a while back about if he went to Carolina. Um, I also said that I thought it makes a huge difference going to Carolina versus one of those other teams that didn't really have a good defense or, not many weapons there. I, I think a Christian McCaffrey, a DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, uh, pretty good offensive weapons, decent offensive weapons. I'm not going to say great, but there's some good weapons there. Um, a solid defense. I think it's a, I think it's the perfect fit for Baker. I think it's a, outside of what he already had, obviously, in Cleveland. But starting fresh, starting anew, um, I think it is a good fit. And I'm... I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll use that word. Like, I, I think Baker's talented. I've always said I think he's a, a good quarterback, but never he could never elevate you to get kind of get you over that hump. Um, and in the NFL, I, I believe you need that in most cases. But I, I do think he's going to have an opportunity to to prove himself once again, play with the chip on his on his shoulder. And I think that's when he's at his best is when that chip is on his shoulder. Right? He's done it his pretty much his whole life and. Um, now he gets that chip back on his shoulder where he's going to be looked at as the, the first round number one overall pick, the guy that busts. So um, I think he gets that chip back and I, I think he'll, he's in a good spot and I think he'll win that job easily. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> he'll do, he'll do good things in Carolina. 
Well, there there was the report that said that that the quarterback one job is still open for the Carolina Panthers, and they don't guarantee the spot to Baker Mayfield. I want to correct myself. That trade actually was a 2024 fifth round pick, not a 2025 that I said before. It is a 2024 fifth round pick going to the Cleveland Browns. And for the Browns here, this is obviously coming after they acquired Deshaun Watson and now going through the headaches that are coming and attached to Deshaun Watson. They had to get Baker Mayfield out of here. Is this a good move for the Cleveland Browns, Dylan? Yes, because, I mean, you can't look at this. You can't go into the season with Baker Mayfield on this roster. And both sides knew that. Both sides knew that you can't get it done. I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield and what he's done throughout his career in, te- in, in Cleveland. I mean, hell, he got him to the postseason, right? Um, that's something not a lot of Browns quarterbacks have done, not many. Um, in a very long time. I mean, he's he was solid for their franchise, but at the end of the day, once they acquired Deshaun Watson, that really soured the taste in the mouth. Uh, the whole relationship there was fractured a little bit before that. But, I mean, you, you can't go into the season with this guy on your roster. Both sides knew he was either going to end up being cut or he was going to have to end up uh, being traded, which the latter happened here today. Uh, there was no way that he could have gone into the season on that roster. That relationship was just completely fractured. So, of course, it's the right move for Cleveland right here. Just parting ways with him and finding a su- suitable trade partner to where he has an opportunity to go start and be a quarterback in this league again. And they get some sort of compensation, albeit as little. You're not getting much for him because they knew that he had to move on from that situation. Yeah, that's the thing. We talked about it throughout this entire process was the Browns were not going to get something that was going to be this massive, great package. I mean, we saw what Carson Wentz went for before. They weren't going to get anything like that. There just wasn't they just weren't going to with the fact that he was done in Cleveland. They still owed him money and they would have had to eat it. And they did eat some money finally. And now he is a Carolina Panther. AJ, for the Carolina Panthers standpoint, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, uh who's the rookie that they brought in what is it sam not matt sam Howell, corral. Um, matt corral matt, i always get those two kids Golden mixed corral. up quarterback position here in carolina it it is bakers right or are you thinking that there will be a legit competition a legit a serious competition come training camp and preseason no i think that i think sam Darnold got a fair shake in their eyes i know we talked a little bit about how we figured we thought he could do it we thought he was a little bit more talented than it seemed to translate on the field but i think they you know they traded up to draft matt corral and then they still went out and even when everything broke down multiple times still went back for a third date with baker mayfield and brought him in so clearly they don't believe in sam Darnold enough and I mean, I don't know the level of wow he would have to give in training camp in a legit competition for them to say, all right, thanks, Baker. We ate half of your salary. We're paying you this bonus, but we're going to start Sam Donald again. And if he proves he can't do it, then we'll let you play. I mean, you brought him in on the back end of his deal, knowing that you're more than likely going to have to pay him. He's going to be under center more than likely at the beginning of the season. Uh, I did want to bring up something just to kind of play devil's advocate because I know what I said, but I just thought about it a little bit more, um, especially with AJ's kind of to AJ's point. Um, they're not really paying Baker a lot, right? They're paying him five million. Sam Darnold's do eighteen million dollars that they pay. Um, so I think when statements are made like, "Hey, they're going to compete," I think it's because Carolina's thinking, "Well." We kind of need Sam Darnold to give a competition because maybe we do start the season with Sam Darnold saying, hey, he knows the offense. We have to pay him $18 million. I promise you, no team in the NFL 
wants to pay a backup quarterback $18 million. They don't. So they're probably going to give Sam Darnold that opportunity to earn that job. Now, I think Baker Mayfield's better. I think that's fair to say. Um, so ultimately, I don't think he does win it. But if there, it would not shock me if come week one, they say, hey, Sam's been here. Sam knows the offense. He was here in OTAs. He's going to start. And then Baker Mayfield, once they're 0-6 or once they're 2-4, and 4, wow. Baker Mayfield comes in. Because think about this. Baker Mayfield still has to prove he can be worthy of a long-term deal. What is the right. best way to minimize his value is to not let him on the field, which means if you hold him out for five, six, seven weeks of the season, and then you bring him in and he plays pretty decent, you can minimize what you have to pay him versus if you start him week one and Carolina goes to the playoffs, guess what happens? Now you're paying 20, 30 plus million dollars for a quarterback. You still might not be sure of, um, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, just devil's advocate. But remember one thing about the NFL. Quarterbacks that make $20 million a year, they don't like benching them. Simple as that. And Sam Darnold is making almost $20 million a year. That's chunk change for David Tepper and company. It, it's not. It's, it's salary cap. It's, not, it's yeah. not about chunk change, Dylan. It's salary cap issues. It's eighteen million dollars they could have spent somewhere. They just owners don't like eating. Here's, they just don't. You, you you brought Baker in to win. Now that's the reason you make this move. And I I know did you, you did you though? No, you, you didn't. You brought Baker to be your franchise quarterback, the future, because yeah, that's, that's what you're looking to. Really? This is remember Not when Carson really Wentz shit the bed, and he had just signed that big time contract. They couldn't have Carson Wentz on the bench while Nick Foles was starting. They couldn't right. because he was making too much money. You've seen this over and over again with quarterbacks that get paid and maybe they don't live up to it. They end up having to move on because these owners don't want to sit there, look down on that sideline and see what was supposed to be their guy, make 18 to $20 million. And they have to stare at him with a helmet and an earpiece holding up, listening <laughs> to the plays while the other guys on the field playing. They don't like it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, games. but they don't like it. And let's, let's be real. At the end of the day, most of these owners are about bottom line. They're not always about winning. It's not always about championships. It's about their bottom line. And Sam Darnold still has that bottom line. Devil's advocate, why not let Sam Darnold maybe show some, some promise like he did through three or four weeks of the season last year and you trade him? Or you, you, you again, or look to trade him. Just get anything back. Maybe you get a sixth yeah. round, a fifth or sixth round pick back that you get from him, and maybe you end up having to pay some of his salary. But guess what? You were already paying that 18.5 anyway. Like, so... To me, there are other options. I just, I'm, I said I think Baker prevails as the starter because I do think he's the more talented player at this point, and I think he's going to prove that. But it would not, I wouldn't be like, oh my god, I can't believe it if Sam Darnold was the quarterback. Yeah, that's fair. The the Panthers, so get this: the Panthers traded away in total for the three quarterbacks that they have. They traded away a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick a fourth round pick, a fifth and a sixth, all to assemble Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Matt Corral as their quarterback room. It's a tough look for the Carolina Panthers. And I thought it was funny that Ian Rappaport said, finally a good trade for the Carolina Panthers because now acquiring Baker Mayfield, it's finally a good uh, potential trade. What does this mean though for Matt Rule though? 
that that's like where the the one last thing I want to touch on with. I mean, is this is this his last ditch effort to try and be nope. the? Okay, so this has nothing to do with Matt Rule. It extended him, to be honest. If if you if you make anything like it gave him more time, because now you're talking about a quarterback that's coming in in July. Training camp starts at the end of the month. He didn't have OTAs. He doesn't know the playbook. He's got to learn. We're two months from the season, and we're expecting them to come out and do something special. To me, I just think it extends Matt Rule, um, Rule's opportunity. Now, if they're atrocious, anybody can get fired. But if they're yeah. trying to treading water, winning games, losing games, and they look like they're making some sort of strides and Baker's playing decent, I think it just buys them another year, at least. Okay. Okay. We're going to talk about the Carolina Panthers and their fantasy outlook in just a few moments. Uh, especially, I mean, this is this is huge, bringing in Baker Mayfield to be your quarterback and what implications it means for the wide receivers and company in Carolina for fantasy. Uh, we're going to try something new here. AJ, I'm going to give you the social read here, but StreamYard came up clutch for us, so I'm oh. going to see how this sounds. All the beautiful people at home where they can follow us at. All right. Well, I hope you guys can hear me. And if you can, good morning, Sac City. We're so appreciative of you deciding to spend your early hours with us right here at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Once you head on over there, go ahead and hit those likes. Go ahead and hit those shares, those follows, those hearts. All of it. Every part of it. Every little bit of it. You know you want to. So once again, at Sac City Pod, ain't that hard to do on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube on tiktok we sure do appreciate it good morning sack city hashtag gmsc wednesdays through fridays 10 a.m eastern holla at you boys who picked this music i it was very quick it was very quick i try i was like you know what let me try and find the social media like a good social media background song here and then I was like, all right, this is it. This will do for now. Well, it's a work that's, in progress, okay? It's a work in progress. That sounded like a, a tutorial, one of those like LinkedIn, Facebook, <laughs> like tutorial music in the background. When you say oh, 20 so I minutes, actually apologize. Like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I meant to get at you, uh, get with you more more so to speak. I actually have a, have a track that I've used on the audio religiously, but we couldn't add music until just now. And then I, it, Totally blew my mind, even though yesterday we had such a great time talking about the fact that they can add music. So we'll get together. I, we'll, we'll, we'll work. I, I expect our producer to be a lot better. Like, I'm be honest, Vinny. Like, I expect now, like, yeah, like, yes, we're changing the game. Holy shit. Yeah, this is a game changer. Ooh, full screen. I didn't need you to play them. I, I brought all the classic. I brought. I brought two of the classics back. Okay, I'm working my way with the new. I, I don't. So, I, so, so, yeah. I'm working my, my way, way to be back better. to getting the drops You're need back. Crickets when I'm hey. here. Oh, I'm. I'm trying oh, to get. The, I put in the smartest man alive drop, and I put in the boo this man drop specifically because those are the two probably most common yeah. used drops that I remember. I recall uh, using yeah. so. It, we're gonna have some fun with this. We're gonna have some Streamyard's fun. got some bugs to fix too. It, it's like cutting people out, and it's coming in hollow. But you know, it's the beginning. It's the beginning. So I believe it, it'll gotta, get a lot better as time goes. 
got to work out the kinks and i'm i'm just happy streamyard has done this though uh but aj you've kind of taken over the the rankings here uh how we kick things off our fantasy outlooks by ranking a certain mm. position group within the division we're talking the nfc south tonight and there is an interesting group of receivers within the nfc south so aj what does the top eight receivers look like for fantasy in the nfc south all right so this was another interesting one uh, you think about the injuries that are still lingering and the in the injured who are coming back and uh, I, I went I went a little different here. I think the consensus for this coming up season with some injuries we have, I'm going to go with number one is Mike Evans. I think being going back to the number one uh, target to start. Uh, secondly, I'll go DJ Moore as the number one in Carolina with Baker. Uh, Chris Godwin, the, I put him as third with the idea that he'll be back with six weeks after six weeks. I think he'll still have enough time to come in and still be Tom Brady's favorite receiver. Uh, then I went with Drake London, the number one in Atlanta. Uh, I think he's got some fun things he can do with Marcus Mariota, who uh, is a little bit more um, agile than Matt Ryan. Allows him to get downfield when M Mariota is making some plays. Uh, number five, with Chris Olave. I've been hearing that they plan on using him quite well uh, in, in New Orleans. Then with Russell Gage, Robbie Anderson at seven. And then just as the respect and the curiosity of what he may do when he comes back, uh, I would put Michael Thomas at eight overall. I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson. Are you for real? That list is atrocious. Dude. I think you took a shit and threw it up on the board, my guy. I mean, honestly, like, come on. I, 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 I think Michael Thomas should be higher to begin with. I know we haven't seen him for a while, but that's not what I want to argue with. Throw it back up here, kid. Um, you know, look at number five, freaking or four, Drake London in the top four. The guy hasn't played a game. Yeah. He's got a shit burger of a quarterback. Um, you got Chris Godwin, I understand, coming off an ACL. I think he's still top five on this list. Chris Olave, come on, bro. J Jarvis Landry's still there. I think yep. he could honestly be better than Chris. You got you got Chris Olave as a rookie in the top five receivers in this division. Russell Gage in a better situation. By the way, I did my research. I resend what I said earlier. The guy could potentially have a good year. Um, but Robbie Anderson, I think, is okay. I, I, I don't hate the list, but I mean, I think I think it's bad. Um, to to an extent, with some of the names you have on that list, so Dylan's right. You had two rookies in the top in the top five, and that is stop. I mean, it's top five out of and eight. Two of the, so really, five don't even matter. But I mean, Michael really Thomas was a pro bowler, all pro. Like that dude's legit, but, right? But at the same time, we also don't know if he's going to be back four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. We've heard different things for the last two seasons. And again, we haven't seen him for two seasons. Honestly, Jarvis Landry was on this list, and I only put Mike Thomas there because of the conversation that will be had with him. With the Chris Olave thing, say what you like. And I, I don't know, know how you're, you're going you know to justify Chris Olave over Jarvis Landry or Drake London over Jarvis Landry. Uh, I could I could justify Drake. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> this man's playing around with him during the so show. I just I, I was trying to do the boo this man dropped while he was while he was going after he finished before you talked, but I realized that StreamYard does fuck up. So the drops are going to have to be on pause for the rest of the show. <laughs> Proceed. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, go ahead. I'll let you. Go I, I'll let you go, and then I should respond to both in kind. So. So, first of all, I don't know how you have both rookies over Jarvis Landry. To me, that's insane. Uh, Jarvis Landry is in a great situation. Uh, and I, I do agree. I think Michael Thomas is further down on the list. But, I'm sorry, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas both should be over Chris Olave. 
You also should have Russell yes, Gage over Chris Olave. You should also have Russell Gage over Drake London. The quarterback situation plays a huge factor in Atlanta. And Drake London, we talk about people not playing games. Let's not forget, Drake London played eight games and coming off of, of a broken leg or foot or whatever it was. And yes, he's performed well without pads, against no defense, and in OTAs, but he's still a rookie. He's still going to have to learn the game. I think we're jumping. We're doing this fantasy outlook like most people do fantasy outlook. Two rookie receivers that were drafted high in the first round, so we assume they end up, they're going to have to be some sort of impact. And it just isn't the case. They have too many people to battle in order to make that happen. Number one, Drake Lennon has to battle his quarterback. Number two, he has to battle Kyle Pitts for targets. And there are still veterans there that are going to be in the mix. Uh, I, I know he's been a disappointment, but um, Brian, what, yes. man, what? No, Brian, man, Edwards. Brian, Ed, Brian Edwards is going to be a factor in Atlanta. Him and Mariota have a connection. They were both like together with the Raiders. Um, that connection is real. They've talked about it. Um, not that I cover you know, the Falcons or anything, but I, I covered him a few times. And so those <laughs> things I take into consideration. I think Drake Lennon as a rookie just is going to be hard to produce at the level we're talking about. Fantasy-wise, just from numbers perspective, I don't see how you can have those over those. All right. So both of you, very valid points. Dylan, I mean, you're, 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 you painted it up nice. Let's just say it that way. Your, your plate was beautiful with your words. All right. So um, the Chris Olave statue. Uh, first and foremost, let me say this. Jarvis Landry absolutely belongs on this list. I could take him out for, uh, for a Robbie Anderson and be happy with it. I absolutely will concede that fact. Again, I told you that he, he would have been in the seven or six for me. Uh, seven or, yeah, seven or six for me. Uh, Russell Gage, I'm sorry. Uh, I do believe, we've talked about Russell Gage at length. I do believe he's in a great situation. I do believe he's going to have a pretty good season. But you're talking about the number three receiver to what I believe is going to be the number one in Atlanta. I understand that Brian Edwards is going to be a factor. But Drake London was brought there for this reason, to one, supplant Chris, Chris uh, I'm sorry, Calvin Ridley this season. And two, if in any shot in hell, Calvin Ridley comes back to be their running mate next to Kyle Pitts. I do believe that they are going to make him a huge part of this offense, and he will be the number one receiver. You bring up the eight games he played, and yes, we know it's college, but in those eight games, he still had 88 receptions and over 1,000 yards in eight games. That's great production. He has some of the characteristics necessary to kind of counteract when a quarterback is not at their best. So I, I think his deep his deep game is going to be hard to stop. I think his yards after catch is going to be hard to stop. And that's going to be some of the things that I think will bring him up to that top notch. Chris Olave, for me, a lot of a lot of hearsay. They like his his style. Uh, if Michael Thomas is not ready to go, they plan on using him a lot like they will be using Michael Thomas. Now, when Michael Thomas gets back, if he's healthy, can he supplant? Chris Olave, more than likely. So that would be the argument there. But I think with him being there, the amount that Jameis is probably going to throw this ball to to start the season, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and Alvin. Well, Alvin won't be there probably for six weeks. So to start the season, you have a lot of Chris Olave to show what can happen. So I, there's reasons that this list landed this way. There's other There's other things I can concede that I missed out on for sure. I want to say one more point here. You, you talk about wide receiver threes and you bring up a Russell Gage. Chris Olave is the wide receiver three on that roster right now. Say what you want about Michael Thomas, right? I mean, I, I understand. Like, I, I very I very well get your point. We haven't seen him for a while. Nothing but negative news the last two years from that guy and what he could bring to the offense. I still think come week one, you can't factor in not having him there. I think he will absolutely be there. 
Um, him opposite Jarvis Landry, those are the one, two. Chris Olave ahead of a Russell Gage, three, uh, with a Hall of Fame quarterback, albeit in that with a great offense in Tampa Bay as well. That's where it, it just bothers me a little bit. But I think you have a few good receivers that I also have on that list, but uh, I don't think Olave would make mine. Um, I got, I got, I got, I can't, I can't. I was going to let it go, but I can't. Uh, you don't need to solo me. Bring us back all four. Uh, so, a- AJ, I just want, I, you, you talked about Russell Gage being the number and Drake London being the number one in it. What were the number one receiver in Atlanta stats last year? With Matt I mean, Crash. I mean, but what does that matter? with the better quarterback? So what does that matter? I mean, this is the complete. This is going to be a different. This is going to be. Conference I mean, but this is a five thousand yards last year. Five thousand, and now you're adding. You're going to an off. Russell Gage was the number one receiver in Atlanta last year, and now he's going to an offense of a, the quarterback that's throwing for five thousand yards a year. And now Matt Ryan's gone in Atlanta. You're bringing in Marcus Mariota, who's never even thrown for like 3,500. So that 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 argument really doesn't fly with me. Another thing you mentioned is his deep ball game. Drake London's not a deep ball threat. Drake London what? is Michael Thomas. What? Drake, Drake London runs a 4-6-40. He that, is doesn't, not a that doesn't matter. You don't have to me, run a 4-2 no, no. to be a deep ball threat. Let me, if you can get down, AJ, the, 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 if you can get down can, the field 30, 40 no. yards and catch over Drake two, London three, four is people. Michael Thomas 2.0. He is a big body receiver, an excellent route runner, and he doesn't get much separation. Go, go watch the tape. He is not a separation. I watched a lot of tape. You watching college guys that aren't at the line of scrimmage in the Pac-12? When in the Pac-12, when he (laughs) is touched, he is not getting down the field. He is a big body guy who can catch over the middle, runs great routes, contested catches. He is not a deep ball guy. Chris Olave, you want to argue, is a deep ball guy? Drake London is not a deep ball guy. I don't know where I don't know where you get this thought process of him. I will, being I will drop as many game. highlights as you'd like. Again, <laughs> you, go, you can drop any NFL receivers college tape and they have deep ball highlights. That's his skill set does not play to an NFL deep threat receiver. He is a big body guy that plays more like Michael Thomas, not some stretch the field guy. And then you brought Chris Olave is going to fill the role of Michael Thomas. Chris Olave doesn't play like Michael Thomas. Chris Olave is the down-the-field threat guy who's an excellent route runner, but he's also gets way more separation than Michael Thomas ever got. Like, he's not going to be this guy that's running these slant routes. They're not going to use Chris Olave that way because he's better than that. He's a better route runner. He's going to run deep digs. He's going to run button hooks. He's going to run, you know, double moves, post drafts, like, because he can do those things that Michael Thomas doesn't generate that separation. Comparing those receivers is, is just false. They, those receivers do not have any skill set that matches. I, I couldn't listen to it. I can't. They don't match. I, I'm not saying, and I, I'm not even really arguing the point whether they're going to be good or not. The fact, the, the fact of those skill sets or how they're going to replace those receivers, I think they're going to have to be a different way. Drake London is going to have to get contested catches. I don't know that Atlanta is going to run that type of offense. They don't get, like, they're off it. They have no line. I, I, I I don't know how we can look at an Atlanta number one receiver and say, I'm choosing that guy because he's the number one. Receiver. I'm Kyle Pitts is the number one receiver. Yeah. We've seen absolutely. Him a thousand if we ran tight ends, that's where he would have been. <laughs> I, I just don't like to me, Russell Gage having a good as year of, of Drake London is more than possible. Especially if I, Godwin if, misses time. Yeah. If he, if he misses time, it'll be the two for most of, or for a little bit of the season that could definitely help his case early on. It, I just you think, know, I, Olave to me should be down around seven or eight. Jarvis Landry to me, 
I'm gonna be honest. I have it four. Mm. I have Jarvis Landry. Um, I have Godwin's the asterisk. I put God, yeah. Godwin at three just because if he does start, you know, by week three or four, he's gonna produce. Um, Russell Gage would be right after that, and then I would go like Drake London, Chris Olave, maybe. And the only reason I don't, I put Olave ahead of Michael Thomas. I'll be honest, Dylan. <laughs> the hell. Michael Thomas. Yeah, who the I, hell knows? Not a, guy, I wanna, not a guy I'm trusting. Not a guy I'm trusting. I want to I want to talk about Michael Thomas in a little bit when we get to the Saints, but AJ, I will say this. I really, really like Mike Evans at number one. That's that's what I'll say. I really <laughs> like Mike Evans at number one. Uh let's get into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's get into the Mike Evans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their fantasy one, outlook. Yeah, one and two are good. One and two are good. DJ Moore and Mike Evans. Um, but let's get into the Bucks. Let's talk about them. And, you know, I, I had a really hard time trying to come up with something to talk about with Tom Brady that just wasn't stupid when it came to just fantasy and, and football in general because you could just ask that standard question of when will it run out? When will, when will time catch up to Tom Brady? And there's just no answer to that. So I came up with another stupid question. Is Tom Brady the best non-dual threat fantasy quarterback option this year in drafts, Aaron? Non-dual threat quarterback. So that's not talking Lamar. I consider Patrick Mahomes a dual threat quarterback. Okay, I consider I, I consider Josh Allen. I can for me and the reason why i said i think this may be stupid is because <laughs> i don't know if people are putting like a joe burrow and a justin herbert ahead of tom brady because those guys are also, not i don't think those guys are the dual threat like the typical dual threat quarterbacks so that's um, where i find so, this okay so, hard I, to, to so i disagree because i would argue that joe burrow and Justin yep. Herbert are dual threat okay. they don't always okay. use it and they don't necessarily it doesn't always translate into fantasy, or they don't always end up having to use it. But they are capable of using. It. So when I say dual threat, to me, it's like threat means they could do it. Tom Brady has no <laughs> shot to run anywhere. Because uh, I was almost going to throw out the name. I was going to almost throw out the name Russell Wilson if we base on style of play. Russell Wilson has not been a runner of the football for the past really like three years. Like his that game has kind of changed for him. Um, if I didn't categorize him, if I categorize like him, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Tom Brady in that group, I think I would still put Tom Brady at the top because of how much they throw the football. Um, and then the style of offense in which he's playing it, right? It's so high volume that you're going to get numbers. That the only other person I would consider is probably a Russell um, in a new offense. So I worry about that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Tom Brady's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. That right there is why. One yard line, I'm Tom Brady, I can throw it. Or you might get a quarterback sneak. Things like that, I think Tom Brady. <laughs> Look at that dual threat. Of course, you got to run the football. Oh, man. Uh, I, dual, uh, dual threat my ass, Tom Brady. Like, yeah. I can do this shit. I can do this but, shit all the way. He, I, I he is. He would be the guy. He is. He is. In that, like, he is the man of mystery this season, I feel like, because there's no, like, you are wondering when time will catch up to him. But over the past two seasons, he has been a top five quarterback more times than any other quarterback in the league besides Josh Allen. And he's just, you just, it, you can't go against him. But you're going to... arm is, is on his shoulder and the line protects him. Tom Brady can play football. That's because he's smarter than everybody on the field. 
father time, when we talk about father time, is going to come run into him when he gets hurt, when he gets hit, and and he's hurt. It, his arm, as long as his arm, his shoulders in good shape, and he can throw the football, father time will never catch him yeah. because it, it, the fact is, is he's smarter than everybody on the football team. A, a, AJ, is he? You know, we talked about Travis Kelsey being like when we talked dynasty, we we're like, okay, you're gonna go down with the ship with Travis Kelsey no matter what. Is Tom Brady that same way where you're just going to go down with the ship with Tom Brady no matter what? You're still going to draft him wherever his ADP is. You're still going to ride the ship with Tom Brady and die on that hill. Uh, I'm not drafting him in a dynasty league. I mean, no, I'm not, I, no, 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 I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not talking. <laughs> I was making the comparison of when we talked about Travis Kelsey dying on that hill with with Travis Kelsey. Oh. We're going to keep drafting. We're going to keep riding him until he dies, and you will take that that hit. Tom Brady, the same thing. You're drafting him in redraft leagues, and you're okay with taking the hit and trusting that. No. Oh, we had this it, conversation, Vinny. Yeah, we did this last <laughs> time. I said I won't end up having Tom Brady because I'm not going to be the guy that gets him the year he falls off. Like <laughs> I did that with Manning one year. I did that with Manning. The, the year, I waited three yeah. years in a row. I was like, <laughs> yes. this is the year. I'm not doing it. And I, I finally can. got him. And he nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. is worst okay. game year. The same like, shit with no, I'm not, not doing so, it. So, yeah. none, so none, like of you guys will have, none of you guys will have Tom Brady on your roster unless, he's got, unless if there's a value with This year, if it's not yeah. if it's not dynasty. I do want to bring up one more point on this dual threat shit. I know he doesn't run the ball, but this guy's had two or more rushing touchdowns every year since 2018. He will score a random well, ass push in. He he will. He will score quarterback sneak. He's good at it. The best quarterback sneaker of all time. Because no one expects it. No he one gets, expects he gets, I mean, you think about it, that's three rushing out. touchdowns a year. That's that's more rushing value, I think. I mean, he could still potentially score. He's not getting yards, but he still gets those random ass touchdowns. That adds to his 40 points. And I get that can be the difference between a – a QB, you know, eight and a QB nine or whatever, but I don't know. I'm drafting him for three rushing touchdowns, you know, like <laughs> exactly. <that's, laughs> not, Especially because those three rushing me. touchdowns, if he didn't get, would be three passing touchdowns more than likely. Yeah. So he'd still get 12 points. Out of he's on the one yard line. He gives it to playoff Lenny. And Mike did Evans is just, on the corner. Did you not just watch the highlight? <laughs> yeah. He, he was on the one yard line like three times and he threw it three yeah. times. <laughs> I just wanted to sound smart knowing that I had that he had two or more rushing since 2018. Well, I tried to sound smart and predictive. You guys ripped me a new asshole. So, <laughs> uh, all right, Dylan, you talking? You brought up you brought up playoff Lenny. What should we be expecting from Leonard Fournette this season? He's a dog. Woof woof. That dude is an absolute beast. I mean, we talk about Jeez. this fella. I said I got him as an RB1. We did our little mock draft, little snizzy lizzy, what we did before. And that dude was just, he's all over the place. I mean, he had 180 rushes last year, caught 69 balls. <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, this dude was all over the place. <laughs> Everywhere you go, he's doing it, right? And, I mean, this is a year for a guy like uh, Leonard Fournette. I know you lose a Rob Gronkowski. There's still going to be a pass-heavy offense. Um, with what they got going, you lose your head coach and, and Bruce Arians. That's all right. Uh, playoff Lenny is an absolute beast. Um, he, he's he's going to get a ton of work. They lose Ronald Jones. That's 102 attempts. He caught 10 passes last year. Um, and, and then you, you potentially bring in – you do bring in a Rashad White. I think he's not going to be too big of a factor on on the uh, Leonard Fournette workload. It seems like they trust him a lot, especially receiving the ball. 
those 69 catches again, nice um, worked pretty well for, um, for Leonard Fournette as he went around um, last year. I think that was something I think some people worry about Giovanni Bernard. He played 12 games, caught 23 balls last year. I don't worry about that too much. So really it's just a similar situation to last year, except you got a rookie back there um, being the backup running back as opposed to Ronald Jones. I think Leonard Fournette gets carries and is an absolute beast this year. Is is it possible to see Leonard Fournette as the RB1 at the end of the season? Overall? Overall. No. Okay. I, I don't, just, I don't think so, but I, I, I want to bring out there. You got to remember, you got to remember, he is not, so you talked about the 100 carries that Ronald Jones have. If Leonard Fournette takes most of those carries, he is not going to get the work in the passing game like he got last year. Like, they are not going to watch Leonard Fournette go for 400 touches. Not going to happen in Tampa. They're going to use Keyshawn Vaughn. They're going to use Rashad White, Gio Bernard. So I worry. I don't worry because I think it could still have the same value. I think he actually reduces his passing volume numbers this year, probably maybe to like 40 to 50 catches, and his rushing totals go up. Because I do think they don't have a guy behind him like a Ronald Jones who carries the ball in between the tackles. Keyshawn Vaughn's more of an, an outside guy. He can work in the pass game. Gio Bernard, Rashad White, all those guys are more passing down backs. Whereas Leonard Fournette's that dual threat, but I think they're going to need him to run the football. But on, on third down, you, do you trust a rookie in Rashad White in that situation, potentially in a pass-catching role with his pass-blocking abilities? But what I'm saying, I mean, essentially— well, he's, he's actually a really good pass-blocker. That's why they like him. That's uh, good. But I, 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 I see your point, which is why I think Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard still play a little bit. But, I mean, Tom Brady threw 106 balls to running backs last year. Like, he likes to dump down. He's old. I think it, the passing work still could be there with more rushing value, which is why I love him this year. But, AJ, go ahead. I mean, you know, it's just a bunch of stack and release. I mean, you get these guys in to, you know, give a little bump, a little bump. But if if it breaks down, yeah, Tom Brady sees his progression before the play even happens. So, but to, to Aaron's point, just the weapons alone, we watch them use that offense to its best abilities. They spread the ball around. Tom Brady gets everyone involved. Leonard Fournette, I, I, I do believe he's going to run a little bit more. But the passing downs, like, 400 touches is, is insane. I mean, sure, they brought him back, but it's not to the level that I wanted. So, I, I, I kind of agree with Aaron on this thought process. It's going to see it come down and watch them spread spread the ball out to all the receivers, get extra running backs put in this game, and keep Tom Brady with as many weapons as possible. Def, definitely Leonard an Fournette RB1. Gets 250 touchdowns. 250 touchdowns. Yeah. 250 yeah. touches, yeah. which is about what he got last year, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, he'll be a top 10 running back. Was last yep. Year. Yeah, definitely, definitely an RB1 season coming up for Leonard Fournette. Let's move on to the New Orleans Saints here, Aaron. How we, we talk about Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, uh, Michael Thomas. How should fantasy owners feel about the wide receivers in New Orleans specifically? Let's get it all out there now. Let's talk about Michael Thomas. Let's let's we've we've had a lot of kiboshing with our fantasy outlook episodes. Let's end this talk about Michael Thomas here and discuss how fantasy owners should be feeling about him specifically. And then we'll get into the rest of the wide receivers within the new Orleans saints. Oh man, it's tough, but I'm going to be honest. I'm done with Michael Thomas. I mean, as a career, like I think he's done and this may sound a bit harsh and a bit weird. Michael Thomas is 29 years old not 24, 25. And he was 
an excellent fantasy receiver the first four years of his career. We're talking about a guy that went over 1,100 yards at nine touchdowns in three of those four years. Uh, absolute PPR beast. Top eight, top seven every year. But he hasn't played football consistently since 2019. And almost 30 years old. That's a problem for me. Uh, with a, He doesn't have the connection with Jameis Winston. It's not Drew Brees anymore. Um, is our... Can he play well? Yeah, I'm sure. But I'm just not touching this guy. I don't trust it. He's one of those guys where you're okay with saying, you know what, maybe this is good value for Michael Thomas to pass. And then he ends up having a really good year. I'm okay with like saying, you know what? Oh, well, I messed out on this because yeah. I firmly believe that Michael Thomas is not a wide receiver too. Like he's not playing 16 games. I don't know how bad he wants it. He has, and I don't like blaming money, but yeah. he hasn't worked very hard since he signed that contract to get back on the field, to stay healthy. It's like he finds every reason not to be there. And the mentality of, oh, can't guard Mike. I, I'm, I wear this chip on my shoulder. Doesn't seem to be there. And say what you want. Happens all the time in professional sports. When somebody gets the bag, that drive just isn't there anymore to get back on the field. So. Um, I question that and I don't like questioning that from players, but I do. And I'm just staying away, staying away. See, I, I'm, I'm glad you, you threw out the age thing there because that is a very interesting point about Michael Thomas being not so not necessarily up there in age, but 29 years old is not, it's not young anymore. And I saw the, I saw someone respond to a, a Twitter post about Michael Thomas and how people are thinking that Sean Watson can come back and just be fine and Danny and everyone be trusting him and okay with his performance after missing an entire year. But you brought it up. The age to Sean Watson is 26. Michael Thomas being 29, a little bit different here. I, I don't also know. Different I, position. I, I, it's also so, different. So, position. Like that, that matters. The beating you okay. take as a wide receiver or running back versus a quarterback where you can't really be touched and not saying Deshaun Watson hasn't taken hits, but there's a difference. As a quarterback, you can be Tom Brady. You get offensive line, you can drop back. You can never literally be touched really in the game. That's not the case for a skill position player. Like you're going to get in. Um, It's a huge difference. It's why quarterbacks aren't in their prime until 28, 29, 30, and wide receivers and running backs are maximizing their prime or like the end of their prime at that time. It's just too different. Dylan. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to sit back on this one. I, I mean, I, I know, I think Michael <laughs> Thomas, I, I don't want to get him started. I know I'm taking, I'm, I'm playing, I'm keeping an eye on the clock there top left there, kid, but I know that I, 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 I can, I can, up. I can take care of that. You go, you go on, you, you go on here with the, cause you, cause before the show, you were like, I got, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for Aaron. I'm not going to be backing down. Yeah, I'm going to stand up to I thought he, I thought I was going to potentially have a take on the Baker Mayfield spot, but we ran through that fairly quickly. So I, that was going to be my rebuttal, but, um, I sit here and look at a Michael Thomas, and I understand. I got your viewpoint. You said uh, Michael Thomas, the RCOD days, you were all about that bag and dip or whatever you said about uh, his work ethic when it came to he doesn't want to get back on the field. I, I get that, and I keep seeing negative, negative, negative around him. But this is also that dude that was an absolute beast when he was on the field, like the number one fantasy wide receiver. There was no dip off. There was no inconsistency. That dude was 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 30, 20, 20. Dude was buckets. 
absolute buckets in fantasy. And that's what he brought week after week. And I know he is getting older. Uh, you fear the number 30 on a wide receiver. Jarvis Landry also going to turn 30 uh, this year. So maybe that bodes in the Chris Olave discussion for you there, AJ. But no, I think uh, Michael Thomas, I think he's a solid receiver. I just got to see him play football again. Um, and, and I hope it happens soon. And I think he's still very talented and can make an impact. Are any of you guys, are you guys, are any of you guys drafting him at his ADPs being drafted as the wide receiver 24 uh, with the 60th pick? Hell, 24? Hmm? Yep. What round? Wide receiver 24. What round? Nope. What round? Six, 60. So that's the 60th pick. That is, you know, guys, do the math. Round five. Yes. End of round there five. it is. And this is the Eesh. last pick in round five. I'm not No way. That's way too point. early. There's too much I unknown to do that there. The di- and Dylan, Let's... you brought up Jarvis Landry. The difference between Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas, I know Jarvis. There's and no. You know he's going to play. Dude yeah, that's play what I mean. Like, that's what I mean. Like, work to get back. If he's hurt, he's going to play through it. Like, I, there's zero doubt in his passion so... for the game. And I don't see that in Michael So we talk about what well, we were going to talk about the rest of the wide receivers in New Orleans. I guess you would say Jarvis Landry has the best value. He's going as the wide receiver 51 with the 130th pick in the draft which would be you know math is hard the 10th the, we're on the 10th 11th round there that's that's i did the i did the math i, did, I divided it i just did it i just did it 50 in a 12 uh, team league 12 times 12 is 144 I, I said 130 uh, i thought you said 150 no i said 130 as the wide receiver 51 shout out joey b mathematician yeah, Notre Dame. There you go. Uh, but but yeah, so he might be the best value pick out of all these uh, wide receivers in New Orleans because you can trust you could it's fair to say you can trust Jarvis Landry to, to be on the field to be producing with Jameis Winston, who if Jameis Winston can continue on his his path that he started last year with New Orleans, it, it could mean good things to the New Orleans Saints wide receivers. Let's go to Carolina now, gentlemen. This is wait, wait, this wait, is wait, a wait. Team. you're just going to skip over Chris Olave. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm. You know, I love to talk about Chris Olave. No, I just want everybody to go out and draft Chris Olave. I'm giving the advice to draft Chris Olave. Vinny, can you tell me Chris Olave's ADP? Uh, Chris <laughs> Olave's ADP. He is going right. with the 111th pick, so that would be the ninth round. Okay, so everybody go out in the ninth round. And find a way to draft Chris Olave. And I'm not joking because there is zero doubts in my mind that Chris Olave, now that I've shit on him, as much as I've <laughs> shit on him, will end up being a wide receiver, high wide receiver too, and be balling out all year. Because the last time I shit on a player, as much as I've shit on Chris Olave, it was Le'Veon Bell coming out of Michigan State. He turned out to be the best fantasy option that was possible for four or five seasons. So I guarantee Chris Olave is going to be great because oh, Aaron man. shit on him all off. I, I do oh, like Chris man. Olave. I love the pick there too. I said that on the draft show. I think he'll be good. Yeah. I think he'll be good. Let's go on to the Panthers now. Obviously, they made the big splash with uh, Baker Mayfield now coming in. There's a lot of fantasy implications here. We talk about DJ Moore. We know how good he was before, but Dylan, what – what impact does Baker Mayfield bring to the wide receiver group as a whole? DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, maybe throwing a Terrace Marshall in there. What is his impact on the wide receivers as a whole? Yeah, you know when Baker Mayfield 
comes in. I think, well, it, it, I, I think Baker Mayfield, when you look, he needs a healthy Christian McCaffrey. I think that's going to be a big factor into what he can bring to that offense. I mean, you look at what happened last year uh, when Nick Chubb missed some games and he was battling with injuries himself, but even more so I'll look back to his fantastic 2020 season where uh, he had a 26 touchdowns, to eight picks in the games that uh, uh, Nick Chubb uh, missed games. He was on injured reserve for about four weeks. Wasn't his best stat lines uh, throughout the course of those games. So I think, Looking at that, I think he needs a consistent run game. He's a quarterback that needs everything to be right for him to work, and he has weapons here. But you also got to remember, he had weapons in Cleveland, right? He had Jarvis Landry, he had Odell Beckham. He had pieces to work with, but that didn't really it didn't really escalate to fantasy value to those receivers. So I think he's an upgrade over Sam Darnold. I think they, they, it helps out the receiving room a little bit better, uh, DJ Moore. But I, I, I don't think that he can bring – exponential value like oh my gosh they got baker let's go out and get this receiver now but it's not it's not as bad as sam Darnold. i also think he has an upgrade in receivers so to speak and what i mean by that is the connection was never there with obj jarvis landry had the good season but as last year jarvis landry <laughs> kind of went as baker kind of went what what? I know where you he's going. He's got with a, you said he's, he's got, got a better Robbie connection Anderson with this receiver. Me Robbie Anderson already, <laughs> right? He ain't even on the team yet. Robbie Anderson saying, "Fuck this that guy." That was hilarious. Yeah. Hey, what was the first thing I said when Baker got traded? Robbie Anderson's gonna be his number one this season. Yeah. Robbie Anderson. He. They asked but, him today. They asked Robbie Anderson today about how he felt about Baker Mayfield now being his quarterback in his comments. He's like. You know, I was just defending my quarterback at the time. My you know, I was just trying to be behind my quarterback <laughs> then. Robbie yeah, Anderson right. now backpedaling. Yeah. We about to see him retire because Baker Mayfield's his quarterback. <laughs> he, he just it. wants he the damn ball. He, he gonna be OBJ. <laughs> he not gonna get any targets, and he gonna be mad. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Terrace, Terrace go ahead, Marshall yeah. breakout season. Yeah, but all, all I all I meant was just the 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 way that the receivers kind of worked with him in Cleveland was just it was just underwhelming. And I mean, at one point now you're left with Jarvis Landry as your one. You're hoping Higgins can go off. Peoples Jones was a big name for two weeks or something like that. So once you there was no OBJ and Joku was yet to show up. Now you look at a compliment of a guy like DJ Moore who can make it work with any quarterback, Robbie Anderson, who can get down the field if you're willing to throw him the ball after all the jokes you just made. And Terrace Marshall, a guy we believe as a youngster has a pretty bright future. So I think with these, with these weapons, these receiving, these, this receiving core, and of course, if CMC can be healthy, I do like the weapons he has there. And I do think he has another good chance to have a good season if he is named the starter, so to speak. Does does anyone's value jump up? Like, the, I mean, you talked. Dylan mentioned it before. With like, no one's no one's value really skyrockets or anything like that. Does DJ Moore's value change? Does like does it go up now that he has Baker Mayfield? Does Robbie Anderson? Does anyone's value change now that Baker Mayfield is a quarterback in Carolina? I mean, when has Baker really been a fantasy guy? Right. Like, we could talk about Baker Mayfield, and I know Dylan likes Baker Mayfield as a quarterback from a real football perspective, but not a fantasy guy he's not going to come in and throw 40 to 45 touchdowns we talk about things having to be right around him the fact of the matter it is that offense is not going to be some high-powered explosive offense it still goes as one man goes and that's christian mccaffrey he's going to be the fantasy guy there he's going to be the one that gets all the fantasy points and then dj moore should fill in like we talked about as a really good receiver robbie on anderson will have his moments but nobody's going to be like oh we got baker now i'm going to go for 1500 and 
12 touchdowns. Like that's yeah. Baker's Not also really going to be asked to do a little bit more as well, like especially if, you know, God forbid there's a CMC injury, you know, because like in, in Cleveland, it was run, run, run. Hey, go ahead and throw a pass. You know, even here with Christian McCaffrey, like you're going to be dumping the ball and passing and getting the passing game going a lot more than you had to in Cleveland, in my opinion. So he's going to be asked to do more too, which means he's going to need to be more efficient or we'll be well, having the same conversations we had. Yeah. That spells disaster if he's asked to. To do more, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, they're going to be in the done. same situation. They're going to be done because it's going to be the same thing. You're going to ask Baker to go out and win you games, and that's where he's prone to mistakes. He plays really well when he's within himself. He can make quick reads, get rid of the ball, but when he starts having to be a hero, Baker starts trying to prove himself too much, and that's when he starts making mistakes, which is not the college level defenses that he was doing that against at Oklahoma. I'm just glad it's over. I'm just glad it's over. Baker has <laughs> it's not over. It's just the beginning, I'm, man. That's true. That's true. All right, let's finish it up with the Atlanta Falcons here. AJ, you had Drake London at four. We dove into it a little bit at the beginning of the show. <laughs> what should we expect? What should we be expecting from Drake London this season? Where's his fantasy value? Wide receiver two, three, obviously not a wide receiver one, I'd hope, but uh, yeah. where do you see... Uh, what do you see happening with Drake London this season? I think he can be a high-end wide receiver three. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Uh, I think it'll both mostly be him and Kyle Pitts. Uh, and not. And again, I do agree that Brian Edwards has the chemistry of Mariota, and they brought him in to, be, to keep that tall receiver room going. But I know how much they like this guy and want to get him hitting the ground running fast. And I do think they're, they're going to kind of do what USC did and force feet on the ball a little bit on the other side of Kyle Pitts. And as you can see, when it comes to contested catches, he was first in he was first in college football last year with 19 contested catches. That's something they really like. It's going to make him a danger around the red uh, around the red zone and along with Kyle Pitts. So uh, I expect a lot more opportunity for him. I think he has the potential to be a high end wide receiver three if he gets the opportunity I'm expecting. That's fair. I think that's a fair that's that's fair. <laughs> I, for I don't Drake know. Lundy. I don't know about high end, um, but I can see him being. High end wide receiver three is like wide receiver 30. said, like I think that's a little bit too high. If you talk about guys that are going around that position, uh, I'm sorry. To me, he's nowhere near guys like Gabriel Davis, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Smith, Juju Smith, Rashad Bateman, Robert Woods. Like you don't even Robert think he's Juju Smith. No, I mean, I, hey. no, 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 no. I mean, Drake London. This, is not, yeah. this has nothing really to do with Drake Marcus London. Yeah. You guys know, I said Drake London was the best receiver coming out, like yeah. coming out of the draft. I thought he could be him and Garrett Wilson were clearly the two best receivers. I like Drake London. Yeah. I hate Marcus Mariota. And yeah. and then even when they go to a Desmond Ritter, then you have to worry about that rookie growth and going through those rookie pains. To me, this is just not that year for Drake London. Now, if we want to talk next year, year two, Ritter's now two years in that offense. Now that connection has grown. We could have a different conversation. But that, that Marcus Mariota, just, he just scares me, man. Um, he just scares me from a fantasy perspective. I don't know that he's going to be able to support two fantasy assets. Like, really. And so I'm going to take Kyle Pitts because I know they're going to get Kyle Pitts the ball. Like, that dude is... We saw what he did last year. Like, that was a rookie. Like, we know they're yeah. going to get him the ball. So, uh, I don't know that two guys I'm looking at say, man, those were really good fantasy assets out of Atlanta from the, from the outsider catching passes. Um, 
And we haven't even talked about what's going to happen with Cordero Patterson. And is he going to be involved more in the passing game and how that affects some of those targets? So I just low end three for me, flex play in some leagues. And, and because he's going to be on the field, great. It's always have good to have guys on the field with the talent like he has. Uh, but you're going to have to withstand those, those games where you're like, Jesus. yeah, <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Mariota, please replace him. Two quick mm-hmm. takes here. Um, you said he can't support more than one fantasy option. I will go to bat for that. He, he made Corey Davis look shittier than he actually was. And um, <laughs> I mean, he's the only, and you know, bring up one, I'll bring up something here. Kyle Pitts only one touchdown last year, which I mean, the yuck, but you know, you with look Matt at, Ryan. yeah, with Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, when he was in Tennessee, one dude that he loved was Delaney Walker, his tight end. And that's, that's one thing that he did. And I think he could get that with Kyle Pitts. I know Pitts will be outside a little bit more. He's more athletic than big old Delaney huddling around. But I mean, I think that, I think that could definitely play a factor, but you bring up uh, in the run game there with Cordero Patterson, uh, the quick little check downs and stuff. I mean, Tennessee brought in Deion Lewis and they didn't even use him in that, uh, that aspect of checking down and stuff. And that was with Arthur Smith and Marcus Mariota and everything they did there. I don't really think that they'll do a lot of check downs. I know that fits his skill set, but Marcus doesn't check down. He gets sacks and he ends up on the bench or hurt. I, I didn't actually mean check downs for Cordero Patterson. I mean more like, does he actually revert back to wide receiver? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think he can carry that. the workload like he did last year at the running back position. And I do think, as I don't know much about Tyler Algier and how good he's going to be, but I do think they drafted him for a reason. They brought in a, a with Damian Williams or whoever for for yeah. for a reason to take some of that those carries away from Cordero Patterson because he doesn't really fit him. He played well. That dude's not going to withstand all that. He's going to get injured, and he's going to be off the field, and I think he's better suited on the field as a weapon, and I, I just wonder how many targets he'll actually get in the pass. Draft Drake London, draft Kyle Pitts, maybe Cordero Patterson. That's it. That does it for the Falcons. That no, well, maybe nope, nope, Cordero nope. Patterson? You're drafting Cordero Patterson. You're, dra- you're drafting Cordero Patterson. You're yeah. drafting Drake London. You're mm-hmm. drafting Kyle Pitts. There you have it for NFC South talk here. Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Bucks all done. Friday's episode, we are coming with you or coming at you with the Fun and Games Friday show that you are not going to want to miss tomorrow morning uh, live at 10 a.m. Eastern time on YouTube, on Facebook, AJ, on Facebook as well. Uh, tell no. them where else. What? What? <laughs> what? what? Just, just go for it. <laughs> tell them just where they forward. can follow us at. It's happening. Yeah, I'll tell you where you can follow us at on Facebook, like Vinny said, at Sac City Pod, as well as on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Hit those likes, hit those shares. You know how we do in the city. You follow the city. You follow all the roads to Facebook and to Twitter and to Instagram and to TikTok and to YouTube. It's not that hard, but make sure you're there. You hit those subscribes, you hit those follows, you hit those shares, and then you talk about it all day. The only thing that should be taught, you should just say Sac City about 50 times a day. It'll make your day and everybody's day better so they can wake up the next day for a good morning, Sac City. Hashtag GMSE every Wednesday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Your boys are back in town. There it is. We'll be back again tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here in the city for your boy, A.J. Johnson, for my best friend, Aaron Mukes, and for the smoothest voice in sports casting, Dylan Kearns. I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. 
You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you could share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population? One more. <laughs>